Welcome back to the In the Red podcast with me, Anthony Hart, and you. You're here with me and excited for that. I want to invite you to please like, download, review so we can help get this word out that there's just something new here, that we're learning to operate in the red and we're learning to find resources. We're learning to find people. We're learning to find even rest in that place so we can get out of it, so we can move forward with our life. This week, we're dropping another sermon out of our sermon series from Faith to Fruit. And I want to challenge you. I want you to really listen to this. Are you sowing fruit? Are you sowing life-giving things? Or are you merely a vegetable and peeling off the dead leaves and giving out to people? Where they can't find life, but they have to be connected to you. Too many people get stuck in this place where they connect people to them instead of equipping and helping them get to a place where they don't need you, but you challenge them and equip them for something bigger and better. Isn't that what Jesus did? All right, let's go. I see you, yeah you, flipping through all the podcasts, looking for something different. Tired of those with all the catchy phrases, or one size fits all quick fix schemes that never seem to fit. My name is Anthony Hart, and if you are like me, you want more than a moment. We are looking for a movement of groundbreakers and world changers who are tired of the status quo, willing to throw it all up to see what sticks, willing to ask a question before pointing a finger. This is your invitation into a collection of thoughtful ponderings posed to make you think, one-on-one conversations that challenge you with fresh perspective, and roundtable discussions where sparks fly as iron sharpens iron. Intrigued? Pull up a seat. We've been waiting for you. But don't get comfortable. You might be up next. In the Red is now in session. Let's go. We've been preaching on the fruits of the Spirit, although we've not really got to the fruits of the Spirit. Right, Rick? Rick texts me every week and says, man, it was good, but we're going to get to the fruit eventually, right? Today is the day. Okay, we've done some prep work. And I've really found as I was preparing today, we're going to reference back the last couple of weeks because God really set us up for, I think, the purpose of these fruits and really getting into it. But the really kind of statement of this has been from faith to fruit. I don't think it's a a transition that we do well in church. We, We desire people to have faith, but then we just kind of let go with that. We get really good at the first step. We get really good at getting them to say a prayer and baptize, and then we just kind of leave you to your own devices. And realistically, that's the place where we're limited because we have knowledge of something coming in. Amen? You know something about history when you go to history too. So then there's some things you got to learn to increase your knowledge. Or sometimes you even learn something that's now happened that you let go of knowledge. See, we just learned a couple of weeks ago we now have five oceans instead of four. We have eight planets instead of nine. It's a constant place of learning and growing. And in this fleshly body, before you accept Christ, you had some knowledge. It may not be good knowledge. It may be based off a bad relationship where you're in. And now you're a broken, jacked up woman or man. And that's how you see yourself in the mirror. I deserve that. That's how people get through these things. They get in the constant cycle of the same relationships over and over, and it becomes their identity. Well, I guess I deserve this because this is all I ever get. That's the broken knowledge that we have sometimes. And then even if we don't know this, we even have a knowledge of what these fruits are, love, joy, peace. We have a, 
oh, I know what that love means. Because if you watch any show, you're going to find some definition of love, right? You listen to songs all over the place. Love is all we need. So you come in with even a fractured version of a fractured knowledge, a limited understanding of what these things are. But the problem is we don't begin to access the increasing knowledge. That they take what we knew, we throw it all on that altar moment, and then we realize that some of the things are limited, some of them are broken, and we just need to tap into the true source of what life is. And I believe that's the transition into this fruit. So today, we're going to, and I struggled on the title for this, and I settled on this one, and then I had about three different changes as I was sitting over there during worship. But we're going to preach, don't be a vegetable. But maybe I like this one better. The Holy Spirit's not a vegetable. And this is a, a multiple perspective. See, a vegetable is two different types of things. And a, a physical body perspective, a vegetable is a very just sedative state. It's not moving, it's not growing, it is dying. Which is very equivalent to what a vegetable is in real life. A vegetable is a plant but if you eat a vegetable, you are eating the end of it. You have pulled the leaf off. You've pulled whatever it's made. There is no life in that vegetable anymore. It is the end of that. So to get anything else, you've got to go back to the plant. And I think this is what church has been for a lot of people. Why? That's why Sunday morning services are filled with people who need to go get fed, who need to go get filled up, who need to go get some word. Have you ever heard that statement? Have you ever made that statement? Don't raise your hand. I'll put mine up for the group. That's what happens. The Navy, right? The, the lead guy stands up and salutes so everybody in the crowd don't. I'll own this one for all of us. I'll jump on the cross because I've been there. I remember being there. i got to get in that service to get mine. There's no way I'm going to make it through Monday, much less Tuesday, if I don't get some word from the pastor, right? And it becomes a place where we go get some vegetables. We rip a leaf off and we eat it, but that only gives us enough, and then we got to go back the next week. The difference between that and a fruit is a fruit contains seeds, and seeds are the source of life. So if we're really seeking after the fruit, there's a reason that the word fruit is used. There's a reason that there's a definitive dis division between vegetables and fruits in Genesis, and they specifically call out vegetables and fruits. It is the purpose of a fruit, and the fruit is something that comes off of a vine or a tree, but it carries seeds to carry on life. Y'all with me? So if that's the case, then slowly it, it happens at first. We do come with the intent because we don't know what this is. But as we begin to grow and understand in what this is, we realize there's life in it. And when we chew on it and eat on it, when we take it out with us, we realize we're eating on this app when we get home like, oh, snap, there's seeds in this. And we begin to plant them in our life. And then we don't, we need this because this is a place where we get pruning. We get watered in some areas. We get identified like, well, the tree looks good. Yeah, but your fruit could be so much better. Or this limb is not looking real good. How can we nurse that back to health? Or somebody around you says, man, Marie, your tree looks good today. How did you get to that place? Well, it wasn't always this way. Let me tell you my testimony. See, that's the purpose of church is we come to get edified. That's just a big word for groan. And then Revelation says the power lies in the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. 
See, that's the purpose of church. So if you're sitting at home today and you're like, I'm getting my church. No, you're not, because you didn't talk to somebody in this room today who has some testimony, or maybe you have a testimony for them. See, suddenly church looks drastically different when we stop settling for vegetables and desire fruit. And I ain't even in the word yet. This is just the preamble, the introductory statement. This is the shift in church that's going to be needed because it changes our heart. It changes the posture we walk into. We stop being satisfied with just enough and we stop start striving for more and more. Give me a pushel and a peck and a hug around the neck. Sorry. I'm country, y'all. Let's go. We're going to get into Galatians today, and we're actually going to read the scriptures. And I forgot my glasses, so here we go. Huh? Just got to just get it way out here. Um, you have to listen back three sermons ago to hear why I have glasses now. That's how we get you roped into the sermons here. You can get those online, by the way. <laughs> no, I'm good, I think. Lord, be with me. It will be on the screen, so if I flip up, I'm not just staring off into space and making up my own scripture. We're going to read Galatians 5, 22 through 25. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That was Galatians 5, 22-25. So I really begin to think about this passage today. If you would take it back to 22 on the screen up here. And then we'll flip through some of these. But I want you to look, and this is just a glance at these fruit. And, and I say this, I've said this a couple of times, it's, it's not fruits, it's not separation, which we have a habit of doing, right? We look at this and it's like walking into the farmer's market like, mm, I could use a little love in my life. It's not the way the Holy Spirit works. You have to understand that this is the entirety, when you take a bite of the fruit of the Spirit, when you desire to go after the fruit of the Spirit, when you begin to bear the fruit of the Spirit, it ain't just a piece of this, it's all of this. Because this is the very nature, the very persona, the very characteristics of God. We talked about that last week. The Holy Spirit, we got to understand the divine authority that it has as the Spirit of God. So when it's in us, we have to understand that it carries all of this. So we have this inside us, if you've accepted Christ, and then just as Peter says in Acts 2, repent and be baptized and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is promised to you if you've done those things, if you've made that shift in, in your life. And I want to get us to a place today where we understand this. It's not a place of, okay, I repented, I'm baptized, and now I got this fruit, and you just move forward. There's something that happens even when you get the Holy Spirit that connects you back to step one. Because it is a process that we talked about just recently of edifying, of growing ourselves. Because, whether we like it or not, the moment we accept Christ, we still got some bad knowledge in us. Okay? Would you agree with that? You ever been sitting in church and you hear something said and you're like, I don't know about that. Or, wow, I've never heard that before. Or you're reading the, the scripture and it's like, huh, 
I have those moments all the time. Even as pastor, I look back at some fractured theology that I received early that I just held on to. Maybe it was that crazy children's church worker that told you the story and connected it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm looking at Janine when I say that. But we all have something, right? We, maybe our kids, we, we, we told them a, a Bible story and then we churched it up a little bit in some areas. So now... It gets really big. I'm trying to even flash back to my, my childhood, and I don't remember any of them, but maybe you all have some. The Joan in the Whale is always a good one. You can really get a, a good, healthy story when you talk about that. But when we look at these across the thing, we begin to look right off the bat, what's the one thing, if you had to pick one or two off this list, that you think the world needs right now? Love's always going to be the first one, right? Flip your news on Russia and Ukraine, love. But I would say peace. Um, maybe in your marriage right now, some joy or kindness. I'm not going to receive that from your marriage, Mike. I'm going to say it was your boss at work. But <laughs> all the things, right? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. What we fail to see is realistically, all of these are needed. But there's something that has to occur in us first. Do you ever understand, and this really stuck with me as I was preparing today, if I got a piece of fruit and before I give it to you, I begin to tell you, okay, it may taste a little different, but I promise you it's going to be good for you. If somebody handed you this bright, juicy apple and said, I know this is going to not taste, it doesn't taste like it looks, but it's going to be good for you. How after you to just take that thing and bite into it? Better watch it. So why is the word any different? How many times do we, well, I'm a Christian, and I want to give this to you, but I don't know. It's going to hurt your feelings. It's going to step in your toes. It's, it's going to hurt you a little bit, but it's good for you in a, in a way. So if, if you could just read it. See, there's a purpose in the Holy Spirit being this, because this, the fruit of the Spirit, prepares you to get a hold of this. Instead of this making you understand this. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Let's flip back a little bit. We're going to go back to another letter that Paul wrote in Romans. And in Romans 2.4, the scripture really jumped out. Because we're talking about these fruit of the Spirit. And we want to see in the Word, because we know God is love. If God is love, then why, when we come to meet Christ for the first time, when we come and begin to accept this, do we try to tell God what love is? If we're coming to the source of it, why do we try to define it to the source? Why is that? Well, then we get to another one that we find and Paul is writing about. And he says in Romans 2, verse 4, Or do you presume the, on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? So there we see three of the fruit. Kindness, forbearance, and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. See, what happens is when we attempt to justify the fruit... 
we remove the ability for the fruit to justify us. When we walk into a relationship or a conversation with somebody and we try to explain, well, I know you're, you're going to like this eventually. You're going to, instead of just the same way it did it to us, because once you bite into this thing and you get that connection, that relationship, you're not going to understand it all. You're not going to have all the answers at first. But what's going to happen when you begin to receive the kindness and gentleness and the patience and the love and the joy and the peace, when you begin to access that in your own life, suddenly it becomes how you operate with people, not the, how you, you're not giving it to them. It's everything that you do flows out of it. See, we talked about that last week about the three added fruit that uh, the Roman Catholic Church puts on there. All of those, chastity, charity, generosity, are actually acts. When these are postures, these are the way you operate in everything you do. Suddenly it's not what you do for your wife. It's how you do it for your wife that becomes the point, the focus. That it's noticed. It's not like, oh, he got me flowers today. It becomes in the way you speak to them. It's not required to have a gift or a present every time you do something good. They begin to notice it in everything that you do. But then, even right here, Paul is talking about from the very beginning that the kindness is not just for you to make you feel liked or loved. It is for repentance. Not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. And we've talked about this before, but repentance is not a one-time event. Amen? Did you put all your burdens on the altar the first time you went to the, the altar? If you did, whew, you were probably up there a while. And there was a, there was a wet spot, and it was a grain. You got the elbow rub, all that. No, realistically, none of us did that. We were able to give God just a little bit. God, just take my little sin. Or maybe I really did something wrong and I'm in a place of shame and, oh, I got to get to church because somebody saw me or I was raised in church. I got to get in there. So we only lay that one thing that's really weighing us down. But there's about 15 other things stuck in our back pocket, that knowledge that we hold on to. So this is where the fruit, the kindness in general. See, this is not the way it looks for most of us or we've experienced. If you've ever been in hellfire and brimstone church services and they just want to tell you how wrong you are and you're going to hell, there's not much kindness and gentleness in there, right? But that truly is what leads us to a place of repentance. I can point out what I see, but I'm limiting you because I really can't see everything that's in your life. In other words, I'm treating you like a vegetable too because I'm just plucking your leaves off you. If I can get rid of this leaf, this messed up leaf, then I can fix the rest of the plant instead of worrying about trying to affect the seed that's in you. Because here's the weird, the hard thing for us to understand. When we accept Christ, he does something that no, nothing else could ever do. He goes in and begins to internally affect the seed that's in you and in turn fixes and changes what you're able to produce. He restores the initial intent of what you were created with. There ain't nobody else that can do it. Well, scientists try it. But you can't restore the initial purpose of the seed. And that's what we have to understand in this place that he's talking about the fruit now. Biting into this now begins to challenge what we know. You flip over in Romans just a couple more. And I think it's in Romans 8. 
I don't even think I marked this one off. Eight sixteen, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit. So we see a big S and a little S. So this is the transition of the fruit. Now we have this access to the fruit, and it begins to now as our fruit changes because people knew your fruit before you got saved. Yeah, ask your in-laws, ask that coworker at work that don't like to sit and talk to you. You were bearing fruit before you. You were doing something. It was not fruit. Why? Because there was not life in it. You were a dirty old vegetable, and you were just ripping your leaves off and handing to anybody, eat this broccoli, eat this spinach. Anybody would take it, and they're eating it, but there's no life in it. It is a very just, ugh. It is slowly killing you as you pull your leaves off. But as he begins to transition that to fruit, now the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, that love, the joy, the peace, the gentleness, suddenly begins to come out of you in such a way because it becomes part of who you are and everything that you do, and now... The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. See, what happens when the fruit changes is your identity shifts. And if children then heirs, so now an identity as a child of God because of what's being produced in you and as a result being demonstrated by you, you now have a new identity as a child of God. And as a child of God, you've received access to an inheritance. Mary Magdalene today, when she was running to the tomb after that, there was something in her that leapt because why? She realized the will had been read and her name was on it. See, that's the access you have. You don't know that in the knowledge you have before coming to Christ. You've just been told, you've just been, well, I'm just limited. Eventually I'm going to die. What's the only things that are consistent? Death and taxes, right? It's tax season right now, all my finance people. And death, we're all going to die. It's such a just ugh, finality. But the moment now we've been told there's something different and you read that will, I've never had this happen to me because I don't have any rich, unknown um, people in my life. But I could always imagine, right, you get called into great aunt Nancy's will reading. You're like, oh my God, I didn't even know this lady. And you're in there and you walk in, there's nobody else. And they start reading the will. You want a new farm. Now you just love great aunt Nancy all of a sudden. Why is the same leap in our spirit not the same way when now we realize all of a sudden that you just want eternal life? But then we go back to work the next day because we're still stuck in this life. This is the, the repentance. This is the change, the shift, the transition. It's not an overnight thing. It happens a little bit at a time when we begin to taste this new love, this joy, the peace. Suddenly it's better than what we've been told. So why are we not demonstrating this to the people around? Because we stopped tasting it. We didn't desire to have more. We settled with what we were told it was. Listen to this, the next part of this. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order. You can mark that out in your Bible. No, don't do that. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. See, something happens when we 
take this fruit and we bite this fruit and we experience it may not be a good day. It may be a tough time, but there's something in you where love and joy and peace and kind, and it just dwells in you. But the one we gloss over a lot is the last one. Anybody remember what the last fruit of the Spirit was? Oh, self-control. Mm, that one hurts, right? We can just get lost in the love, joy, peace. That's the ones we just rattle off. I'd ask you, fruit of the Spirit, every one of you could have went, love, joy, peace. Love, joy, peace. Love, joy, peace. You know what maybe the one the world needs the most that nobody said? Self-control. You know why self-control is important? Because you were uncontrolled when you came to him. Your flesh, your body was leading you into temptation. It was doing everything it could to prevent you from understanding who you are. That is, that's a period after that statement. But if you look back at Galatians real quick, I love the fact that if you Galatians 5, you find this word several times. And I think it speaks to this constant just return to this. Let me see, we're beginning. So in the English Standard Version, it's four. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but the free one for, in some versions, it's but. In other words, it's a transition back. See, the finality of, well, this is who you are. God comes in, puts a comma there, and puts a big but right in that statement. I see the snickers. I can't snicker because I'm up here, but in my spirit, I'm snickering like a big dog. But we need some big butts in our life. And I ain't gonna lie. See? Sorry. Because if you don't, then you don't read scriptures like Galatians 5 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. And then you come down, for the law is fulfilled in one word you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the spirit and you not, will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. See, that period, if you leave it there, you know what you want to do. You know the things that you've done. You know the things that you've desired before you ever came to him. And if that period remains there and you don't allow him to put that comma in that butt, then you can't begin to walk away from these things as the kindness and the gentleness of the Holy Spirit that's now in you leads you into repentance. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. See, that's a statement that we gloss over. We, we read and we just hope everybody kind of understands it. But then we talk about the importance of the law, right? See, the law was intended to be a fruit. Man turned it into a vegetable. Because they give you a list of things to do and they become dead things because it's just words. If you do this, if you eat this leaf, you'll live. Jesus came back to restore the fruit in the Ten Commandments. That was his purpose, is to bring love, joy, peace back into a loveless, joyless, 
unpeaceful understanding of what the word of God says. In other words, taking it back to the garden that we talked about the first week, the law became nothing more than the knowledge of good and evil. Right? If you do these 10 things, these are good. Everything else is evil. And now we're still sitting at the foot of that tree eating it. Why? Because we never tasted the tree of life that activates the importance of the good and evil and the ever-growing experience of understanding what God said is good and evil. That's why Jesus came to restore the fruit of the commandments. That's why he put it into love. He changed the vernacular. He connected with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But then in verse 19, we find a very divisive statement. And this is one that we struggle with because these are all works of the flesh. It doesn't say fruit of the flesh. It says works of the flesh. Why? Because you have to understand Paul is separating the two right here. If he said fruits of the flesh, then it becomes about what you do, not how you do it. These are response of what's in you. And what you're listening to, when you have the fruit of the Spirit, then you're connected to that and you're listening. The responses are the, gratitude, are the, uh, the charity, the chastity, those things, the obedience to the Word because of what's lying inside of you. The presence, the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit is in you, so it changes what you listen and how you act. But he connects with this, and I want to finish on this thought today. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident. And he calls them out, big ones, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Just a, a plethora of works of the flesh, but he does not fail to get any of them. Maybe every one of us, regardless of what life you lived in this room today, you could have been a good person, but I guarantee there's been jealousy in your life before. You may not have had the, the drunken orgies, but there's something in strife and division in your life. It's been something that's been in you. See, Paul was trying to say there is a whole lot of things, but this is all of them are just as important because they are responses to listening to this fleshly desire, allowing our emotions to control us and guide us instead of letting this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control that's now inside of us to lead us on. See, this is the ultimate release as we grab a hold of that last declaration of the fruit of the spirit the self-control is a release from what the body wants and a desire for what the spirit tells us is right and things like these i warn you as i warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of god and we find this passage. So he didn't write another letter to Galatians, but what Paul is referencing is he said this in his letter to the Romans. In Romans, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, 11. He does say it in Romans as well, but 1 Corinthians 
6, 9 through 11. And we know this because it goes back through the sins. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. See, he's preaching to the, the church in Corinth, and he's preaching to people who have been in this. It's a declaration of the fruit of the Spirit being present in their life and challenging them to walk away from some of these things. I know you were here, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. See, it didn't happen the moment they said the prayer for the first time because that was the moment they first received the Holy Spirit. And then in that moment, he just didn't woo, whitewash the whole thing. It is a process that we walk back through. In other words, we cannot expect fruit from the moment they say that prayer, the moment they begin to repent in their life. But we have to begin to walk through that process and trust the Holy Spirit to lead them and guide them in the same way he's done us. Romans 8, 16 through 17. Go right back to that. Because if he tells us in those statements that we lose our inheritance, then what makes us inheritors? The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. And if children, then heirs, and heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. Here's what I want to tell you today. The first step, church, into getting to a place where the fruit is abundant in the church is we have to allow the fruit of the Spirit to lead us into repentance. I know you're what you're saying. Well, how do I do that, Pastor? Well, first off, it changes how you pray. It, it changes how you read the Word of God. It changes how you interact with fellow saints. It's the three areas that we have to grow in if we're going to really strive after fruit being produced in our life. First off, before I ever open this word, my prayer begins to look like this. <sighs> Father, that's a lot of stuff. But I know it's for my good. Because there, there's something inside me that struggles now, there's something that when I look in the mirror rejects what I've seen. It, it's something in me that challenges me to see through a different lens. Although I'm, I can be frustrated and angry, when I'm frustrated and angry and I walk away, there's this little voice in the back of my head that says, mm, probably could have handled that better. So I know there's something living inside of me. I know there's something that wants me to be better. So, Father, first off, let me hear your voice. 
know some of you are like, well, I've never heard his voice. Well, I've never heard the audible voice of God either. But here's the voice I'm talking about. It's that little voice inside your head that sounds very different than the one you've always listened to. It's the one that will open doors or close doors or present you with information that challenges you to be better. It's the one that when you begin to pray this over this word before you ever open it up, God, give me an aha moment today. This is the Holy Spirit that's talked to me when I was struggling as a minister and I didn't feel as good as my dad who had pastored and I'd witnessed how good a pastor he was my whole life. I didn't feel led up to um, my pastor and that he was doing this and now all of a sudden I'm thrust into ministry and I'm doubting myself and my identity and one day I just flipped over my word to 1 Samuel and I see where David's about to put on the armor of Saul to go fight a battle. And he puts on Saul because Saul says, if you're going to win this fight, you've got to wear this armor. And he puts on this big clunky armor and he picks up this sword, the same armor and sword that every soldier in the line that cannot defeat the giant they're about to face is wearing. And with a confidence in his identity, he looks at Saul and says, nope, this won't work. See, because I don't look like my dad. I don't preach like my dad. I don't dress like my dad. But my struggle was not in my identity of who he said I was. It was releasing an image of what I was told it had to be. And suddenly as I read that scripture, I began to be challenged to move forward a little bit more. Instead of being stuck, suddenly it wasn't about controlling the outside. It was about controlling the self. Calming the spirit, my spirit, to allow the spirit to lead me and guide me. Philippians 4, 7, we kind of referenced it this morning. If you'd play a little music. Work with me here. Come on. There we go. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, we love to talk about the peace that passes all understanding. And usually we give it to somebody in a downtrodden state. We give it to somebody who's lost somebody. We give it even to people who are struggling with trying to figure this whole Christianity thing out. But the true power of that peace is not to just be okay in your brokenness. It's an invitation into protecting your heart and your mind. It doesn't say your spirit. It says your heart and your mind as the spirit develops your spirit. That's not in words, but that's what's occurring. 
because the fruit of the spirit, the peace that's been given to you that passes all understanding that you can't figure out, that you can't earn, begins to guard your mind and your heart, to put them in a safe place. When you guard something, it puts it in a safe place so then it can be ministered into it. So it trusts. If you're about to walk into an attack and I stand and I guard you, there's a trust that happens between you and me. That I'm doing it for your good. That I'm not just here to to protect you, to kick the can down the road, to let you know that, yeah, you just got to depend on me, the pastor, this week. You need to come back and get some next week. Because then all you do this week at work or in your family is tell people about the vegetable at your church. And you need to come taste the broccoli at my church. You might want to bring some cheese. That's one thing that never gets said at this church, right? He brings plenty of cheese. But here's what I want to see. I think this is what God wants to see. This is why we're not seeing the change in the world around us. We're not seeing life in areas that have just been proclaimed dead. Hollywood dead. Our music industry, dead. Our political structures, dead. Because we're trying to get people in those places to just come back to our garden and eat these leaves instead of realizing that we need to carry the fruit. So today, every head bowed, I want you to begin to think about this in your own life. Father, if I become dependent on somebody else's growth, instead of desiring the hard work, the suffering, all of the production that's required to produce that same growth in me, Father, have I only repented of a few things yet failed to hear the Holy Spirit calling me into the release of more? Father, what separates me from being a demonstration of the beautiful, luscious fruit that you've given me. This is that reflection moment. See, repentance is not all shame and disappointment. It is a space where the Father speaks life into you saying, yeah, I know that's where you're at, but you have the the capacity through the Holy Spirit to be better. Father, I pray that you would shine a light into our lives today. 
that through love and kindness and gentleness and patience with us, we would be drawn into a deeper relationship with you, a deeper revelation of who you are, and out of that, the authority and the confidence that we should walk in as we carry this fruit to those in need. Father, we're thankful that even though we couldn't produce, you did. That even when we didn't want to eat it, it was there. Because your tree is ever faithful, ever growing. Let the words begin to jump off the page at us, challenging us to lead a better life, to be examples for those around us. That they might change their ways and follow after you and inherit this beautiful, beautiful gift that we've been given of eternal life. Father, if there's anyone here today who has a something that they want to release and pray over right now. Father, give them the, the conviction and the strength to lay it down. To connect with somebody who can hold them accountable but love them through the process. Father, let us be that church. We thank you today for this word, for this moment. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'll tell you this, church. You can't pray for the fruit of the Spirit and just be expected to just give it to you. God, show me your love. He will. God, give me patience. I've told you about that. That's why I have two daughters. God, give me forgiveness. You can have forgiveness you're going to have to lay something down to be forgiven of it. I can't forgive it if you're not willing to let me have it. God, give me self-control. Oh, Lord, don't pray that one just yet. There's a reason that one's at the end. If you're at that space to pray for that, you better surround yourself with some good people because he's going to challenge you in your spirit because you've got to let go of flesh to embrace the fruit. You got to give up something to embrace something. The good news is he's invited you into it.